There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hola, hola, ¿qué tal? Espero que estén muy bien. Welcome to another episode of Cheekies and Chill. I'm your host, Cheekies, and today we're going to be talking about a very heavy topic, sexual abuse. We should note that if you find this topic triggering, you'll want to skip this episode and check out one of the other ones. Sexual abuse is something I've talked about, but I want to dive into it a little deeper here on my podcast. I'm going to be sharing my experience with it, how it's affected me, and how I've managed to move forward with my life. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode of Cheekies and Chill. Okay, guys, this is a pretty hard topic to talk about. Um, I have been open about being sexually abused by, by my father, my biological father. I've never really talked about it in detail. I've written about it in my book, Perdón, but again, not even, I didn't go that deep into detail. I've said it over and over again, you guys. I want to share my experiences to hopefully help others. That's why I share so much. That's why I'm so open. I'm so transparent. I write books because I feel like the only way to help others is by being honest. I was sexually abused by my father. The first time I remember, I was eight years old. And I'll never forget this day because... At that time, we were living with my dad, my sister, Jackie, Mikey, and I. And what we were going to do was live with dad six months out of the year and see my mom on the weekends. And then the other half of the year, we were going to live with my mom and then see my dad on the weekends. So that was something that we had, or my parents had decided when they separated. And my mom was really focused on on working and doing real estate. So we had decided that we were going to live with dad first. I say we because my mom did ask me and I said, okay, that's fine. Again, during this time, there was never an issue. I mean, because 
we lived with my dad and my mom. And yes, I grew up seeing a lot going on in, in my household. There was domestic violence um, in our home. So I, I personally did feel, I was sad when my dad left, but I did feel that it was the best decision because they were just unhappy and they were always arguing. And I didn't have a problem with my dad. If anything, I had a really close relationship with both my parents. So when we lived with my dad, uh, we were living in a two-bedroom apartment with his sister. And I remember my dad had this blue bump bed. And it was a twin bed on the top. And then on the bottom, it was a queen. And we all slept. My brother Mikey slept on the top. And then my dad, my sister Jackie, and I slept on the bottom bunk. And then things started happening, stuff that I was I was not aware were wrong at the time, to be honest. In my house, this is another thing that I want to talk about. My mom didn't talk about sex with us, with me. It was a taboo. It was something you don't talk about. You know what I mean? And I didn't know. I didn't know what sex was. I just knew that I had a cosita in between my legs and I had to wash it. And that's all I knew. And again, guys, I'm going to be try to be kind of vague, but I'm going to, I'm going to be straight up here, you know? So we're going to call it a cosita. <laughs> so that's all I really knew. When I would wake up in the middle of the night and my dad's hands were, were in my panties, I was just like, I didn't know. I, I, I honestly was just shocked. I wasn't sure. I know it felt uncomfortable, but I didn't know it was wrong, as weird as that sounds. I felt it was a form of him showing me affection. It was always, I was always, I would always wake up to this. I mean, it happened more often than not. And that was always at night. Now, one time I was eight years old and I was still living with him. We went to the beach and it was a beach day. And my cousins went and my aunt went and it was, you know, a beach day. It was on the weekend. And my sister Jackie and I, I'll never forget that day because Jackie almost drowned that day. I, I remember my dad was off flirting with some girl and I was left with my sister, my baby sister. She was four years old at the time. I, we were holding hands and we were kind of just playing in the water. And then a big wave came and took Jackie literally out of my hand. And I just remember watching her and she was like in this little tornado of water. I don't know what to call it. And she was just like going around in circles right before my eyes. And I was yelling and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? My dad was over there flirting with some girls. And my cousin, who was a little older than me, went into the ocean and rescued my sister. From there, it was like beach day was over. We went back home. Everyone was scared. And my dad sent me to go shower. And it was during the day. It was like, I must have been like 3 p.m., 4 p.m., something like that. And he said, you know, go shower. And I remember saying, okay, because Jackie and I would shower together. And he said, no, 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 she she's going to eat. You go ahead and, and shower. And I was like, okay. So I went to shower. And a few minutes later, I was taking off my clothes and, you know, because we were all sandy, you know, there's sand everywhere. He walks into, into, the, into the bathroom. And he starts kind of getting undressed and he's like in his boxers and I'm about to get in the shower and he's like, no, 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 hold on. He sits on the, on the toilet 
closes the lid of the toilet, of course, sits on the toilet and then says, sit on my lap. So I did. And that's when I just started feeling pressure down there. And I remember just screaming and saying no. And I, I was started crying and I just, he says, okay, he was like, you know, yeah, relájate, you know, get in the shower. So I, I got in the shower and I was just crying and I just like cornered myself and he, he came into the shower with me and just said, you know, don't worry, todo va a estar bien, no te preocupes, no le digas a nadie de esto, este es un secreto. And he even said, you know, tu mamá no se puede dar cuenta de esto porque si no, te voy a tener que mandar a México. A vivir a México. And I was like, what? So, of course, I'm eight years old. And I'm like, I don't want to. I'm not. And I just stayed quiet. It stopped for a little bit after that. I just knew that it hurt. I was like, something doesn't feel right. It hurts. And I'm like, okay, something's weird. So I just started telling my mom, mom, I don't want to live with dad anymore. It had been like a couple months. And I was like, mom, every weekend, I'd be like, I don't want to go back to my dad's. My, my aunt, I would say, she's mean to us. She's mean to us. Can we just stay with you? And I begged her so much that finally she's like, okay, fine fine, you'll just live with me and you'll go see your dad on the weekends. And I'd find any excuse for a long time because I was scared, you know, not to go to my dad's house. And I would always sleep next to him when we would go because I didn't want Jackie to sleep next to him because I was worried. I'm like, okay, what if he's doing that to her? And I never said anything. When I realized that it was wrong, that something was weird was when I was 10 years old because kids at school, I was like in fifth grade then, they started talking about sex and kissing and boys and all this stuff. Mind you, I had been going to church. So I was very like into religion, Christianity with my grandma and my mom. She would go to church every Sunday. So at school is when you start hearing all these things from other kids. And I had a, a best friend at the time. Her name was Vanessa. And she was very, very advanced. You know, I was, I was a little bit more innocent, I could say, because Again, I was in church and we didn't talk about those things in my in my household, about sex and about all these things and about kissing, about all this stuff. So I started learning about this from my friend, Vanessa, in school. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's sex? Like when we started talking about it and, you know, and kissing and touching and all this stuff, you know, it was just, it was crazy. And I remember telling her, I was the first person I ever told was my friend, Vanessa. And I told her, well, you know, I think something's going on because my dad does, does this and he touches me and all this stuff. And she was like, oh my gosh, you have to tell someone. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I was so scared. I was like, no, he said he's going to send me to Mexico and then I'm never going to see you. I'm never going to see my mom, my brother and sister. I was so scared. And I never said anything. And she promised me that she would never say anything. And I didn't say anything. I think I was 10 years old when I told my aunt Rosie, who was also sexually molested by my, by my dad, the reason I told Rosie was because Rosie had this thing with me. Like she was always kind of like upset and I didn't understand. I was like, why is she always mad? And it almost felt like she was mad at me. And I always just wanted to be cool and hang out with her and her friends, you know, and she was four years older than me. So one day I just said, since I had already known, okay, what's happening with my dad is wrong and it's weird because I talked to Vanessa and Vanessa told me and she confirmed it to me, my friend Vanessa, remember? I just said it one day to her. We were in my grandpa's office and I told her straight out. I said, I know why you hate my dad so much because she would talk really bad about my dad. And she's like, oh, your dad's here. Your dad's here. And like, she would be like, you know, she would just make comments, just negative comments. And finally, I just told her, I said, I know why you hate my dad so much. And she said, oh, tell me, why do you, why do I hate him? Let's see, what do you have to say? 
And I said, because he does to me what he did to you. Where I got that from, I have no idea. Where I got the balls to even tell her that, and she just like, because her feet were up on my grandpa's desk, and then they just dropped, and she looked at me. She like came up, and she's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know. I said, because that's why you hate him so much. And she just started crying. And she's like, does it still happen? And I'm like, no. And at that time, I wasn't lying because it stopped. It, it had stopped. And f- she started dating like his, his now wife. And it kind of just subsided a little bit. And I said, no, it's not anymore. She's like, we got to tell mom. We got to tell your mom. We got to tell. And I'm like, no, I, I'm scared. I don't want to tell her. I, I'm scared. Like, I'm scared. Like, what if my, I always thought my mom's going to kill him and then he's going to be in jail. I mean, my mom's going to be in jail and he's going to be dead. Like, where am I going to be? Where am I going to live? And then Rosie's like, okay, fine. I won't say anything. But if it ever happens again, you better tell me. And we have to tell. And I said, okay. And I promised her. And then started up again and I never said anything because I was so scared. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. 
That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now, my whole point with sharing this, you guys, it's because for a long time, of course, I was quiet about it since I was eight years old till I was 12. It really did affect me in school. I could not concentrate in school. My grades, I, I, I was not held back, but I was in SRP. I don't remember. It was like a, a special program because I was delayed in reading and my math and I had to like be pulled out of class. And it was like the special program of like five children that would get like special just education one-on-one with the teacher because I was so delayed. And it was because of all this thing that I was carrying. I was carrying this at such a young age, not telling anybody about it. And I felt this shame of like, I felt dirty. I felt like, oh my goodness, I, I'm I'm dirty. That's all I can really explain it. You know, that's, how, that's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, Rosie knew. And yes, my friend Vanessa, who was no longer my friend at that time, because when I moved from Long Beach to Compton, I, I didn't see her anymore, you know? So we lost touch and I just didn't speak. I wasn't that close to Rosie like that to like tell her it happened again. So I just really kept it inside for a long time. Anyways, finally, when it came up, I, it was always something I thought I was never going to talk about. When it did come out, I was 12 years old. And the reason it came out was because we were at church and Rosie was, she was 16 years old at this time. And there was a, a prophet praying for her and she was very depressed and she was going through her own stuff. She would always spend a lot of time in her room. And of course I kind of knew, I'm like, okay, well, my dad has a lot to do with it. She was just very depressed and she, my grandma had a lot of issues with her. So when we went to church and this prophet prayed for her, that came up. It came up in like when he was praying, he's like, okay, the reason she has sadness over her because she has been sexually abused. And I remember just watching, I was freaking 12 years old at church, watching everything that was happening. I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is. God is bringing it out. That's really what I thought. And I ran to the bathroom and I got on my knees and I was like, God, please, please, please don't let this come out. Please God. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was just crying, crying and crying and silence for two weeks after that day. No one talked about it. No one asked Rosie about it until one day I was at the library in Long Beach. I would always ask my mom to go to the library. And it was kind of like our babysitter. We would just stay there and like hang out and do our homework and everything with my, my, my sister and my, and my cousins and stuff. So one day we were at the library. It was a normal day. I thought, okay, well, maybe they're not going to talk about it anymore. Maybe it's not going to come out. And my tia, one of my tias picked me up and said, hey, why are you picking us up so early? Mom said you were going to come at five. They're going to pick up something. No, your mom said that we need to get you now. We need to pick you guys up. We got to go. And I saw it in her face. I swear I sat in the back seat and I said, oh my goodness, I felt it. I've always been so intuitive since I was little. And I remember just sitting, I said, oh my goodness, today's the day. I felt it. I saw it in my aunt's face. I said, something is happening. And so we get to my uncle's office and my mom's pregnant from Jenica. This was in 1997. My mom's pregnant from Jenica and her mascara is just smeared. I walked in and I was like, 
I just started crying. And I knew. I said, she knows. And she said, come here, baby. She grabbed my hand. And she said, is there something you have to tell me? And I was like, I just cried. I said, yes. And she asked me, is it true? Does your dad, has your dad done this to you? And I said, yes. And she cried and she held me. And it was just, it was horrible. The cops came. Rosie was there and Rosie just said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I had to tell them. I just remember her looking at me. She's like, I'm so sorry. I just, I had to, like they asked me and I said, it's okay. But from that day, I swear to you, I felt, yes, I was sad. And I was like, oh my goodness, like everyone knows. And and what are they going to think of me? And like, I just felt really dirty, but I felt like, como un peso se me había quitado de los hombros. I just felt like, oh, I could breathe. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, what's going to happen with my dad? And I was, weirdly enough, I was scared for him because this is what a lot of people don't understand. I, I have seen comments on social media like, Chiquis, how could you forgive your dad after what he did to you? The crazy thing is, my dad was a good dad. I know that sounds crazy, but he was. He was a type of dad that would sit me down and talk to me. He taught me how to wash clothes. He taught me how to fold it. Like, he was like, if I got in trouble he'd be one to just talk to me and make me understand things. And he cooked for us. And he was, it was just a different vibe at my dad's house during the day. He was a great dad. It was at night that things got weird, but I have pretty nice memories with my dad. He's the one that taught me about Mana, about Ana Gabriel, about Shakira, like a lot of music that I love now is because of him. And it was just a weird situation because when it came out, I said, wow, this means I'm never going to see my dad ever again. And I felt bad for my siblings, you know, especially for Jackie and Mikey, because they were so close to him. And it was this thing that I was always scared to go see him on the weekends, but we always did something fun. You know, I just wasn't sure if that weekend at night something was going to happen, you know, but it was such a weird thing. And the weird thing is that this happened on September 23rd, 1997, when the truth came out. And... We were supposed to stay quiet, 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 quiet. We weren't supposed to say anything or alarm my dad because we were afraid that he was going to go on the run. So when we got the cops and they took my report, they took Rosie's report, we went to so many doctor's appointments. They checked us to confirm everything. And it was it was crazy. They sent me to, to therapy and we did family therapy all while my dad was just like, hey, I need to pick up my kids. And my mom would just make excuses. Oh, well, we got to go. We, uh, we got to go out of town because the detectives had said, don't say anything. So we kept it quiet all the way until October 31st on Halloween because he was like, I'm supposed to have the kids this Halloween. Now you're playing dumb and this whole thing. And my mom was pregnant and she couldn't sleep. I remember waking up, you guys, and my mom was, dude, huge from Jenica. I'd wake up to get a glass of water. I'd hear her crying and she'd have a big knife in her hand, like ready, like sitting like in front of the door on this, on this green couch that we had. And this was our house in, in Compton. So it was a smaller home. And I would wake up and I'd hear her crying and she'd just have a big knife in her hand. Like he's coming, he's coming for us. I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to kill him. And like, she was, she was kind of going crazy. And this, that was part of my fear of telling her. I, I know my mom. I was like, my mom, honestly, Dios hace las cosas. Como debe hacerlas, because if she hadn't been pregnant from Jenica, I don't know what my mom would have done. I have no idea what she would have done. And it was so, it was such a difficult time. So finally, when October 31st came, which is Halloween of that same year, my mom no se aguantó y le dijo, 
you're not going to see my kids anymore. You're never going to see my kids anymore because I know what you did to my sister and to my daughter. That's all she said. And on the other end, I was standing right in front of her when she was having this conversation. He said, necesitas tu pruebas para eso. And then my mom said, y las tengo. And he hung up. She calls a detective. This was like at 7 p.m. at night. She calls a detective and says, hey, I'm sorry, but I told him I, I couldn't anymore. You guys have to go find him. They said, okay, we'll handle it in the morning. There's too much going on. There's a lot of cops and everything. They needed them out because it was Halloween. So they go at nine o'clock in the morning the next day on November 1st, and he was gone. Gone. My dad was gone. He disappeared. Everything was gone from the house. He disappeared for, he was on the run for 10 years, you guys. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tuda Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tuda shows wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
There's so much more to this story, and I feel like one day I want to really just dive deep into what happened. It was a lot, because even going through the trial 10 years later when he was caught and having to relive everything for an entire year, I was on the stand talking about details. And they try to trick you when they do the cross-examination, and they're like, okay, well, you said on your report this. And I was like, no, I didn't say that. I said this. So it was crazy, because here I am engaged. My uncles, my grandpa, my mom, my stepdad, everyone's in this courtroom. And I'm talking about my experience. I was so embarrassed of having to say the details of everything that I was like, even I had never really talked about it with my fiance at that time. And he was there listening to everything. So it was very hard. But the reason I wanted to talk about this topic and I wanted to share my story with you guys is because this happens a lot, especially, especially in our community, in our Latin community. And it is a taboo and it is something that it's kind of like, okay, si te hizo esto tu tío, cállate, no digas nada. They try to just brush it under the rug. And I am so grateful for my mom that she believed me. She didn't question me. As soon as I told her, she was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And she did everything that she could to try to catch him, to put him in jail. And, and that's what I want the listeners, people that have gone through it, that haven't talked about it, people that are going through it. You have to tell someone. You have to get help. You have to go to therapy. You have to talk about it. Because if you carry this in your heart, in your mind, for X amount of years, it's going to make you sick. It's going to make you bitter. And when I mean sick, literally, when we hold these things, these secrets in our bodies, they become illnesses. They become diseases. And it can even become cancer. I mean, literally, I truly believe that. And I know that the moment I let it out when I was 12 years old, I started doing better in school. I was able to focus. Things just started changing for me. And I felt like, oh, I could breathe. I could live my life a little bit, you know? And for a long time, yeah, well, you know, from eight to 12, it's not a long, but it was really affecting me. So mothers out there that if your child comes to you and tells you this is happening, please Please take them to the doctor. Please go check. Please don't just brush it under the rug. You have to listen to your child that is telling you something. And if you're going through it, and let's say your parents are, don't believe you, speak to somebody. It's okay. Sometimes people are so stuck in their ways that they don't want to believe something because it's too painful, because it's too much to, to confront But go find someone, a friend that's going to listen to you. Find a therapist, a counselor, a life coach for you to just let this out in the open. And it's going to help you so much. And forgiveness, that's another thing. Forgiving the person, the abuser. Forgive them, even if they don't ask for forgiveness. My father has never admitted to it. For a long time, he called me a liar. And that hurt. Even before the truth came out, he would tell my mom, Ay, es que chiquis están mentirosas, bien mentirosa. And just to kind of plant that seed in her head so if it ever came out, she wouldn't believe me. But thank God my mom believed me, never questioned me. And she never allowed me to feel like a victim and said, no, we're going to get you help and you're not, you are not what happened to you. And I've had that so like present in my mind and I'm so grateful for my mother for that. I don't know what I would have done if she didn't believe me, if she wouldn't have helped me. But she also taught me to forgive. And I know she blamed herself a lot. Like, what could I have done differently as a mother for this not to happen? And I wish that I could tell her, it's not your fault. Those are just things that happen. You know, those are just things that 
that happened. And, and I, now I see, I'm like, okay, why, why did this happen to me? And I'm like, you know, now I'm like, okay, what happened? Because now I can use the platform God has given me, this microphone, this podcast to help other people and say, okay, I'm going to heal. I'm going to be a, an example to help inspire and empower other people and help them heal if they've gone through this. Because it is something that happens and it happens way too often. And I forgive my dad. I forgive him because forgiveness, and, and I'm going to read you guys a quote later in regards to like today, my, my motivational quote is, is, a, is in regards to forgiveness and how forgiveness is for, for you and not for the other person. Because again, that's another thing. Yes, you can bring it out and then hold resentment towards your abuser, but it, that's not going to do you any good. It's good to just release that person and leave them in God's hands and also just no cargar con ese resentimiento tampoco, you know? In regards to, to therapy, when I did start therapy because of the situation and I've gone to therapy on and off my entire life, it's helped me a lot because as you get older and as you evolve, you start realizing for a long time, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm over that. I'm over the sexual abuse. Okay, cool. Like, let's move on. But then I started realizing that I have what you call daddy issues, <laughs> where I was looking for a father figure or that love from a, from my father that I was missing in the wrong men, being in the wrong relationships for way too long because of that. So those are things that even like me thinking, oh, okay, I'm over it. No, 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 no. Like they start resurfacing these things. And that's why it's important to speak to someone. And that's why I'm a firm believer and an advocate of therapy and counseling and really getting your feelings out there because it makes a big difference. Even if it's, even if, yeah, you don't want to tell your family members, you don't want to tell anyone, go to therapy, guys, go to therapy, talk to them, let this out, find the help. Don't be afraid. I know it's scary. It's easier said than done. Yes, it might ruffle some feathers. Yes, it might cause some tension, but these people need to learn their lesson and they need to be brought to the light. Because if not, they're going to continue to do it. And that was my thing. I didn't want to testify. And the reason my dad is in jail is because of my testimony. Because some stuff had happened with my aunt. She was older when he got caught and stuff like that. So my testimony was the one that was that really put him in there. And, and that was hard. And still, it's it's hard for me to think like, wow, my dad is in jail because I testified against him. But I feel like I did the right thing because it's not my fault that he decided to do that. And I don't want him to do it to anyone else. And if you were to ask me for forgiveness, I've already forgiven him. But if he were to come and tell me or if I go visit him one day in jail and he says I'm sorry and admits to it, I'm like, I forgive you. I do believe in change, you guys. I believe that with the right help, people can change. I choose to believe that and I want to think that he's changed. I want to think that one day he's going to say, you know what, I'm sorry and admit it to his family because his family, I don't think a lot of them till this day don't believe me. They thought it's something that my mom put in my head for many years and it's not. I remember clearly everything that happened and it does weigh and it did weigh, not, not really now, but it did weigh heavy on me that I'm like, my dad is in jail for 31 years, no chance of parole because I testified. But then I said, you know what? 
those are the consequences of his actions. And all I did was the correct thing. And I spoke and I spoke my truth. And I'm hoping that I can help many people. And, and I believe that God has put me in this position and has given me this platform to help other people. And, and believe me, I know it happens a lot more often than we know, than a lot of people like to admit. And we have to speak about it so that it can lessen, you guys, so that these things can happen less and less and less the more we come out and we speak the truth. Because porque cuando no hablamos y no decimos nuestra verdad, somos otra víctima más. And we don't want that. So, guys, if someone comes and tells you this is happening to me, please believe them. Please do your best to hug them. Just give them a hug. If there's no words, hug them. Let them cry in your arms. Let them release. The worst thing you could tell a person when they're telling you, hey, this is happening. I'm being molested. I'm being sexually abused is no, that's not true. It's the worst thing that you could tell a person. Just hug them. Even if there's no words, believe them, please. And do your part. Obviously, there's, there's a whole process that needs to be done. That's my best advice that I can give you guys because my mom, having the mother that I had and didn't even question me, made the biggest difference ever, ever. So thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, I hope my story helps at least one person out there. Just know you're not alone. And more than anything, know that it's not your fault. We're going to link some resources in the show notes, okay? So make sure you look at them. And here's today's motivational quote, the one I told you guys about earlier. Forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about you. It's about your heart and your soul being at peace. It's about you healing and moving on. It's about you not letting the past hold you hostage anymore. <sighs> guys, forgiveness is a powerful thing, I'm telling you. It is. I know sometimes it's easier said than done. But trust me, forgiveness gives you the wings to fly and chase your dreams once you're not carrying that heavy load. Again, thank you guys. Les mando un beso, un abrazo y gracias por escucharme y estar conmigo en esos momentos tan íntimos. Y nos encontramos la próxima semana. I love you guys. Besitos a todos. This is a production of iHeartRadio and My Cultura Podcast Network. Follow us on Instagram at My Cultura Podcasts and follow me, Chiquis, that's C-H-I-Q-U-I-S. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the My Cultura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar20enespañol.com. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.